Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. My guest on today's episode is Jules Brooke. Jules is the founder of Handle Your Own PR and She's the Boss. Um, So Handle Your Own PR is a DIY PR service for business owners using her online PR accelerator program and a PR SARS platform. Uh, Jules' (laughs) students have been on TV, radio, magazines and newspapers nationally and many have gone on to huge success in their business. She's the Boss has grown since the start of the pandemic in 2020. They offer, and we're going to get into this, they offer online Zoom lunches, learning table events with female founders, real-life networking events, two podcasts, She's the Boss Chats, and She's the Boss Leaders. She's the Boss also has a YouTube channel and all the media features, interviews with wildly successful women in business from Australia and around the world. As you might have guessed... Jules is passionate about making female founders and women doing extraordinary things in business more visible. And I can't wait for her to share her story (laughs) with you and what she's doing with She's the Boss. Jules, welcome to the For Love and Money podcast. Thank you so much, Carolyn. It's absolutely fabulous to be here. Oh, I'm so glad we finally got you here. We've been (laughs) on and off for so long. So I'm going to kick off with the question I ask everybody. Um, when you think about purpose in business, what role do you think love has to play in it, if any? Uh, I think love has a huge role to play on both sides. So I think you, firstly, you've got to absolutely love what you're doing um, and, and have, a, have a passion for it so it makes you bounce out of bed in the morning. But you've also got to love the people that you're working with. And I think in business in general, People need to love their customers and show that love and affection for them um, if they're going to get anywhere with their business. So um, it's hugely important. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Because money, you know, there's no question about money, is there? We all know we have to make money in order to be successful, but to bring our purpose to life in a sustainable and scalable way. But, um, yeah, love think, And I think that's something also peculiar to women in that I think that we do tend to go more for the love and less for the money. And I think it's probably flipped around a little bit for for a lot of men. And I'm only talking very broad brush strokes here. Obviously, there are exceptions in both. But in general, I would say that um, women really do feel very passionate about what they're doing. And so, therefore, the money is secondary, which I think is then reflected in the success of the the financial success of the businesses. Do you know, I think you're right. And that's something I'd like to get into a little bit further as we move through this interview um, and it's not to stereotype men and no. women, but I think, I think, well, I think men have been shaped, um, to, to actually think, you know, to be successful, you've got to make loads of money. And you know, that's the world we've lived in. We've come from right. so long. And I think the other thing is that men have been taught to compete and that women who are successful in corporate have managed to master the art of competition particularly well. Whereas I think when you get out of corporate and into entrepreneurship, um, I think that the support is there sort of more across the board for everyone and that collaboration becomes much more important than competing. I agree with you 100%. It's one of the (laughs) things I talk about that, you know, businesses um, to become more purposeful, 
they need to move from competition to collaboration. Yep. You know, they, they need to move from being bigger, faster, stronger um, to building relationships. Who and, can I do this with? How could we help each other? Those kind of words. And, and <laughs> earning trust, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so, so speaking of this, what about, um, are there any brands that you absolutely love? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I absolutely love what Dove has been doing for women over the last probably 10 years. Um, so if there was a brand that I think is clearly making, making, trying to make a difference in a way that's very visible, I think they are. I actually think Benetton used to do it very well as well. Um, other brand, and then I, you know, there's a lot of brands that I don't know a lot of detail about. So I was going to say thank you, water, but then somebody told me the other day, thank you, water is not as great. So I probably need to go and do a bit of research into that. Um, but I, I, just brands that are out there trying to give back, I think are, you know, probably the brands that I am attracted to. Yeah, fantastic. And Dove, Dove has been consistently. Yes. You know, walking this path for a long time, and really. I think that that's the difference, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people that have jumped on the bandwagon and done it for a while. Yeah, but you really sense with Dove that they are on a mission. They're not going to change it. It's about all types of women, and it has normalised seeing plumper women and dark women and women in wheelchair. It actually has worked, I think. Anyway, absolutely, absolutely, and I think there are more brands that that. Uh, Really, you know, Dove has led the way. They started yes. this, what, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, um, I reckon it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So let's um, let's go back to She's the Boss. So let's put a spotlight on She's the Boss. And okay. I'd love you, Jules, to, to share your story, your journey. You know, you, you've come from a background in PR and this is where you've landed. You're still doing your PR. But yes. the boss seems to be just, you know, taking off, and I'm I'm sort of part of your network, and I see, you know, all the engagement that um, you're getting with all these incredible women. So I'd just love to hear your your story around it. Okay, well, I, I guess the first thing I should say is, um, I have grown up with three brothers and three sons, and I'm literally surrounded by blokes all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I've always been very attracted to being around women because I find it's a different energy and I really enjoy it. Um, I also feel like I'm quite a strong woman, so I'm able to help other women, which which actually gives me great joy. So uh, the She's the Boss journey started in the end of 2019 with a post by Aaron Young, who's the founder of Ticker TV, which is a streaming TV channel. And he had done a little post, I didn't know him from a bar of soap, um, on LinkedIn saying, I'm starting a new TV channel that's focused on business innovation and technology, and I'm looking for people to interview. And I guess being the slut for publicity that I am, and if anybody <laughs> knows me, I know that I always say, grab every opportunity if it comes, I put up my hand and I said, can I come and talk about Handle Your Own PR? And he said, sure. And um, then I had a bit of a brainwave and I thought, if it's a new network, Maybe he'd let me have a show about Handle Your Own PR. So I sent him a message and said, could we have a meeting first? I've got an idea for a couple of things. And then I'd be very, very happy to set up a time for an interview. And he said, sure. And so I walk into this little co-working space in Melbourne, um, a little corner office, really well set up. I mean, I was very surprised that a desk and a couple of plasma screens behind it looked so professional. 
And he just put a microphone on me as soon as I walked in the door. And I went, what are you doing? And he said, we're going to do the interview now. Brilliant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it wasn't No preparation. Like no, but I mean, I don't like to prepare for too much, so I was fine. So we did an interview. Then we did. Then he said, that was so much fun. Let's do another one. We did another two-minute short interview he was going to use for a clip. And then he said, oh, my goodness, you're so much fun. Would you consider hosting the lunchtime show with me? And I was like, um, I don't know what the – I can't think of a way of saying it other than I went, oh, my God, at last I've been discovered. It's been <laughs> I was very excited. Um, we did one of the shows with him and then afterwards, at the time he only had um, – I think he was doing a lunchtime show and a breakfast show and that was it. And he said to me over a few too many um, champagnes, he said to me, I really need to get it up to 40 hours a week. And I said – I know all these people on the speaker circuit and they would love to host a TV show. Why don't I introduce you? And he said, great. And I said, if I do that, you've got to let me have my own show. And I want it to be about women in business because I just feel like there is nothing out there in television land for women in business. So he said, fine. Um, I gave that him was 12, easy. 12 hosts. So he got quite a good response. And off I went and I started this show and I was very interested in interviewing female founders about their journey specifically. So I think there's lots and lots of opportunities for us to share our expertise, but I'm nosy and I'm interested in how the hell you've got to where you are. So I started interviewing women one at a time, um, talking about you know how their career had unfolded. Then I discovered halfway through, in fact, I just have to tell you this story, but uh, I got to one stage with one woman that I was interviewing and I just ran out of questions. And in the end, I said, to her, I don't think anyone does this on a talk show. And I went, you got any questions for me then? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the moment where I went, maybe I should get two women on and then we'd have a bit, a bit more rapport and the, you know, and the questions will keep flying. So then I moved it to two women, um, kept going for about six months. So that the show went on until about June 2020. But in March, we had the lockdown. Yeah. So in uh, on the back of starting the show, I'd started a Facebook group because I thought that's what people do. You know, you have a TV show, you start a Facebook group. And, um, and I invited 50 of my friends and it started to sort of grow. And with the lockdown, I literally had signed up for Zoom. I'd been using doing webinars and things for years, but I signed up for Zoom that week and thought, why don't I, I I'd started doing lunches in the inner west of Melbourne um, because my idea is if you're a female founder, and you're working on your own, then who do you go out to have Friday drinks with? That was kind of my idea. Yeah. And many years ago, I used to work in, in newspapers. And every Friday, I would come in at like five o'clock in the morning if I had to, to get everything done. But every Friday, we'd go off for lunch in St Kilda. And the rule was, we will always be there, just pop in if you want to. So people would come and go. So I thought, well, I'll start that. And then when with the lockdown, I thought, I'll try it once online and just see how it goes. Because I just could hear all these women that I knew who were really spiralling and kind of going, my career is over, everything I've worked at for the last 25 years is gone, I don't know what to do. And I was thinking, there's always a way out, there's always a way to innovate, how about we just all get together? So we did one. And it was um, a really scary time. Like that, that well, first, none of us knew what yeah. was happening. And the government was closing things down, but bills weren't being stopped, but the ability to earn was. So it was like a very terrifying time. And there's a local woman um, who's a friend of mine who owns a co two co-working spaces and a bar. And I think it was her in particular that I was thinking, oh, my God, what, is, what can she do? 
Um, anyway, so I started doing this lunch. Everybody really enjoyed it. We all chatted and and I cracked open a bottle of champagne and said, you know, have a Friday drinks. And it worked so well at the end, I said, I'll do, I'll start doing it once a month. And people, all the women in the group said, we can't wait that long. Can we do it more frequently? And I said, well, we'll do it weekly and see how long it lasts. And that lasted two years. That's, um, that's incredible. Weekly. With every Friday lunchtime for two years, I got together with whatever female founders wanted to come. Um, I made it free. People could come for as long as they wanted. They could pop in, you know, because we've got a lot of women in the group who are established and a lot of them are doing podcasts and talks and what have you. So they could nip out for a meeting for an hour and then come back. In fact, they start at 12.30 and they, sometimes they go till 4.30. Yeah. So, um, so that was all great. And I was trundling along. I had the TV show. Then the guy at the TV show said to me, as I said to you, I don't know whether it was, but I said to you anyway, said, I really don't think people are, listen- are interested in listening to old women talk about business and certainly not for long periods. And I said, he was saying I could do, you know, he says, I, I interview six people in half an hour. And I said, I am never going to interview six people. That is not. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the same guy? Was this the same guy who gave you the platform in the yes. first place? Yes. Right, okay. And, of course, it was growing then and he had a whole lot of advisors and who are the advisors in television? They're all old white Anglo-Saxon men. They don't get women. They don't think women like business. So I was getting this pushback and he said, if you really want to do long interviews, why don't you do a podcast? Well, my partner, Dave Stokes, um, has a business called Author to Audio and does audio books. So he had been trying to persuade me for ages to do a podcast and I thought, look, I'll do it. I thought I'd do 12 episodes. Um, and we'd see how we go. And 50 episodes later, Dave said to me, this is actually not much fun. You're not paying me any money. And I've done 50. Um, so, you know, I'm <laughs> going to have to pull the, back. Pushing the relationship. Pushing the friendship. And then my son, in the same breath, said, well, I'll produce it for you. I know how to do it. Of course, he was just out of year 12 in lockdown um, and also facing a I don't know what to do with my future kind of moment. Um, so I started the podcast. We've now done uh, about 160 episodes. I think I've done 200, actually. I think I've got about 40 still to come out. That's um, extraordinary. And I can't stop myself. I just love it. So some weeks I interview four women. I only have two podcasts that come out each week, but I just love it. Um, and then the TV show ended. So then we had the second lockdown in 2020 in the June, and Aaron came to me and said, we're going to put your show on hold. Um, and I said, oh, really? Well, we've got loads of reruns. Could we run reruns? And he said, I'll think about it. And it was just that moment that I went, he's not putting it on hold at all. He wants to get rid of me, but he doesn't have the nerve to ask me to. Yeah, right. I went back to him the next day and I said to him, I'm out. And he said, oh, thank you so much, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Anyway, um, I went into the She's the Boss group for the women and I said, I'm not going to be able to do the TV show anymore. And again, big uproar. And they all said, no, you've got to do it. We love it. And Sam Elam, who owns Media Maneuvers, who is a wonderful woman, rang me and said, I've just dismantled a whole TV studio's worth of equipment and I've got nowhere to put it for the lockdown. Would you like it? It was like the universe. Oh, my goodness. came out of nowhere. So I said yes. And then I thought, I have no idea how to use any of this equipment. And my son said, I know how to use all of it. So let's do it. So he helped me and we started, he did all the graphics and we started a YouTube channel for She's the Boss. Yeah, And I did about 35 interviews until the camera equipment has now got a bit old, so we need to get some new stuff. Um, but I started going, well, I don't really need to be 
limited by Australia. Why don't I start going out to women who I think are amazing all around the world? And my first one was Sam White. Sam is the founder of um, Stella Car Insurance by women for women in Australia. But my mum had sent me a photo of her and said, is this the kind of woman you want to interview? And I thought, yes, I do. And the more I read about her, she has a £37 million business in the UK um, selling insurance. And when I reached out to her via LinkedIn and said, can I interview? She said, sure. And we got on so well. It was such a great interview. She's actually a great mate and supporter now. And from there, I started going, well, I could interview women in New York. So I started interviewing women in New York and Iceland and Turks and Caicos and all over the place and asking them if they knew of any other amazing women I could interview. And then the other place I got all of my interviewees was from LinkedIn because you can go in and have a really good snoop at what people have been doing in their career on LinkedIn. Um, And I find that almost everyone answers a message if you send them a message on LinkedIn saying, would you like to come on my show? So that's how it all started. Then um, trying to think what the what the trajectory was after that. Then we came out of lockdown and I did a lunch in Sydney, uh, which I thought this woman, Nafisa Naomi, who is amazing, who has won the Archibald Prize and all sorts of other things. Um, I'd interviewed her a couple of times and she said, I'll book a restaurant for a lunch. And I said, no, no, I thought I'd just come down and have lunch with you. And she said, no, let's get some more women together. The restaurant will hold 40. And I said, I don't think in a pink fit I can get 40 women there. And, of course, I got 41 women there and then had to close it down. And it was amazing. And what I love about doing my own events is I don't have to follow anyone else's rules. So I'm not a big fan of speakers at events. I think there are loads and loads of them and I get it and I go to them. But if I'm going to a networking event, the speaker just interrupts my flow when I'm talking with women. So I thought, why don't I just run events that are purely social? And got a bit of pushback from people going, how come you're not doing speakers? And I, well, I'm not sure I want to go. But I guess maybe it's the women that I can get there as well. Are very, uh, There's some very influential women who come, but they're also very successful and they want to give back and they want to support other women. So I hosted that event. It was a huge success. We all had loads and loads of fun. And that started me running on um, real life events as well as online events. Yep. Then I got two wonderful women to come in and help me. One was Mia Mays. Yep. Uh, Mia is based in Marimbula and was fantastic. She's now no longer with us but had, did an amazing job while she was with us. Um, and partly that is just that we are still bootstrapping, so we're not really making much money. So it is people volunteering pretty much. The other woman was Antonia Grimard, and Antonia has stuck with me through and through. Um And from that, we then started doing more live events, which we now do in Melbourne, Sydney and the Gold Coast. And I'm about to do one in Noosa in September, Um, just trying to connect women and bring them all together. Um, We run online events called The Learning Table, which you were one of our speakers. And they're very small, intimate online events where I get someone amazing to come and talk. And then everybody gets a chance to really chat with that person. So it's not do the speaking, have two questions afterwards and end. It's like half an hour of talking and then an hour of discussion afterwards, Yeah, which I, which I really love. And now we've got sort of all sorts of other ideas of things that we want to do as well, with my big, hairy, audacious goal being that I want to start a TV network for women in business, a little bit like Ticker, but I want to train up 150 women into how to host a TV show and make them more visible and give role models to younger women who we are told statistically can't see women like them in in the media so they don't know what they want to do in business. 
I love that idea. So, and train up, what was it, 150 women? It's, it's a three-year plan that we've got that we start with 10 women and start adding five women every month until we've got 150 women who would all be hosting their own TV shows around business technology and innovation. Oh, wow. But I do need to raise $2 million first, and I yeah. also am pretty adamant that I want to raise it from women. So I've got a bit of a path in front of me because I know it's difficult in Australia and it may be that I have to go overseas to get the money, but I just think it's needed. I just think it's so badly needed and Absolutely. I don't think it will happen in mainstream free-to-air television. So Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you talked about a role model for young women and, and for young girls as well. Yeah, um, to walk past the TV and see someone who looks like them or someone who looks yeah. like their mum hosting a show or being a guest. But they're not just looking at celebrities, right? That, well, that's that. my problem is, and it's funny, when you start moving into this space, the number of times I'm, I, I'm, I have people who suggest to me, get a high-profile woman in, it'll really help. And I'm like, but those same women, and no disrespect to them because they are all incredible, you know, Janine Allitz and Melanie Perkins and all of the other ones, they are amazing, but it is the same friggin' women that we see everywhere. Yes. And I want us to see... A, a diversity of women, I guess. Yeah. I want people not to have to be particularly beautiful or particularly super smart um, in order to be able to be a role model because that just makes puts it out of the reach of a lot of people. Or even particularly established in their success. Yes, yes. Because what's coming across to me is, you know, you you want to lift women up. You want to you want to you want to showcase role models, but at the same time, it seems that you're actually championing women well and yes because one of the things that i discovered from hosting my tv show was how it raises your profile mm -hmm. and it allows you to reach out to almost there is almost nobody big words but true i don't think there's hardly well i'm saying that and couching that a lot of ways very rarely do people turn down a tv interview so yeah. it allows you instead of going out to the head of your, the digital marketing company down the road to go to the ceo of google and say do you want to come on and talk on my show yeah. Or if you're talking about customer service, instead of going to the head of customer service at Coles, you go to the CEO. So it allows you to build your presence and start building a network of influential people. Yeah, absolutely. So where's the love? <laughs> where's the love in all of that? I mean, I can I can feel it. I you can, can see hear it. it in my voice. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I love what I'm doing. Absolutely love it. And I, I am hoping to monetize it a little better than I can so I can just work on it exclusively. I adore it. I think it's needed. I think there are lots of women out there. The other thing is I do think there are lots of other women out there doing what I'm doing. Um, and what I, my other big hairy audacious goal is to bring us all together somehow so that we can all lift up all the women around us. And I've got a bit of a plan for 2023, so watch this space. Oh, um, okay, so you can't work. share that with us right now. I think it's too much of a baby idea. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. We will check in, we will check in later in 2023. Um, yeah. one, of the, one of the things I wanted to pick up on that you talked about, when, when you talked about the events that you were, um, the lunch events where you didn't yeah. want to have speakers and some women were going, oh, I don't know if I want to come to that. Yeah. Um, what I really love about um, about your vision with that is I talk a lot about, um, you know, Seth Godin, people yeah. like us. Yeah. And, and to me, you're like, you're really clear on yeah. who your people are, who your women are, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're people who want to connect with others 
They're uh, women with a big global vision. They are women who want to disrupt industries and they are normally women over 45. I'm not excluding anyone under that because I did sit at a table with some women the other day who were saying, I'm 37 and I'm 42 and I really want to join your group. Am I allowed? <laughs> yes, of course you are. But um, but I really want, I, I just feel like between Mama Mia and Mumpreneur and all the accelerators out there that there is a lot of emphasis on youth. Yes. And my emphasis on is on experience and success. Yeah. Yeah. And also because, um, let's say, women over 45, but not excluding the younger ones, they have, like, so much experience that That's they nice. can bring. And I also feel like um, women of, of that kind of age or generation, we've got over ourselves. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's like a switch when it uh, off in me at around the age of 50 and I just thought I don't actually give a shit what anyone else thinks yes! anymore. Yes. I am just going to do this because I know it's right. And like you say, people like us, I've, I've, I have my tribe. They know what I'm doing. They believe in it. If there are people who don't believe in it, which I'm sure there are, that, that's absolutely fine too. There's plenty of other tribes for them. but And it's a niche, right? It, yeah. It's, you know, this is the this is the... Um, the narrative of... It is. And, and, and the other thing that I've discovered and, and what has been really interesting to me is this is happening in corporate women as well as female founders is the isolation and the loneliness. And we don't really think about it. We think about how we want to get to the top of the tree and we want to be incredibly successful. We don't actually think that there aren't very many women up there doing that. There aren't a lot of people up there who are going to be the same as you. So... Um, so I'm very, very big on connecting women as well and, and yeah. getting them to know each other. And and I'm starting as well with the CEO women now because I feel like whether you're a female founder and you've built it yourself or you've crawled your way up through the corporate ladder, if you are a CEO of a big organisation, you need peers. You need somebody else to talk to. If you've got somebody being nasty to you on your board, then who do you talk to if you haven't, other than other men probably around you? And, I mean, the more I talk to these women, they are surrounded, by, of course, by leadership teams, but they're almost exclusively blokes. Mm. And But a lot of those women as well find it hard to reach out to other women and don't see the benefits from other women. So I'm just finding the whole thing really fascinating around this isolation and how I can um, connect all these women so that they have got a support network. Yeah, connect them to give them a support network, and also to yeah, yeah, I get that, that is a support network. I mean, share expertise. Yeah, I mean, there's things like chief executive women and organisations that do work with those women, but they're not social. No, they are all about listening to the speaker again. So yeah. I'm about you know you if you really want to get to know someone, spend three hours having a few drinks with them over a meal, yeah, and you will really get to know them, and then the trust is built, and then. They are someone you could reach out to if, you know, something horrible is going on. Yeah. And you know, they might have a solution for it. And other women help women be more courageous. Yes. Lean into their discomfort. And and, and, and one of the things that I'd, I'd love to um, chat with you about is, like, the need for the feminisation of business. Yes. You know, we've business has been so masculine you and know. feminine and feminine skills traditionally are denigrated as being weakness. Yeah. In fact, one of the best learning tables I did was with Melissa Hamilton, who is the ex CEO of Stella, 
she's now gone out on her own and got a business called Brave Feminine Leadership, which I love. Yeah. Um, but Melissa, oh, where was I going with this? Uh, I was talking Feminization about... of... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Melissa was saying that when she was a CEO, she would never have thought of joining a women's group because she just said the guys around her would kind of snigger and laugh and say, why would you want to be part of that? What are you going to talk about, periods? Um, or us. And, of course, now that she's out and she's building her own network as well as being part of mine, she's like, oh, my God, what I missed out on. And there's a great article in Forbes called um, The Power of the Pack that I would encourage anyone to read about how women are successful if they support each other. So the stats are that men, as long as they've got a support team, it doesn't matter the gender, yeah. um, they will succeed. But women traditionally only succeed if they're surrounded by other women, which is really interesting, isn't it? But that's where you feel someone's got your back. I'll, I'll um, dig out that article from you and we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah, I, bro, I love be, that article. Yeah, I think that'll be really, really interesting. And, yeah, you need the pack. You need that support network um, because to, to make that change in such an established way of doing business, you yeah. know, the masculine, and, and it's not to denigrate masculine you need balance don't you you need masculine and you need both balance. but we've only we've only got masculine exactly. we're dominated by masculine and we do need both that's what I was going to say actually so Melissa Hamilton we did a learning table and we've only ever had one guy ever come to any of our events and this guy was there and she was saying what do you think would make a difference in business um, to help women and I threw it to him because I was like you're the bloke in the room tell us and he said I think that Feminine skills need to be valued and they're mm. not. And I just thought that was so insightful. And I just thought instead of being cry like a baby and run like a girl, that we actually go, well, you know, if you're crying, you're actually showing empathy. And if and you are, there is nothing wrong with showing emotion in business. There is nothing wrong with showing a bit of right brain as well as left brain. And there's nothing wrong with showing love, I think, you know, for the people that you're who are working for you because they'll give it back to you in, in truckloads. Oh, totally, totally. And when you think about the businesses you've loved working for or the brands you love to buy, it just it elevates things to another level. Your your loyalty is secure, isn't it? Like Absolutely. You're, you're not going to jump ship at the next cheap thing that comes around or, or you know, the next innovation or no. whatever. And I think um, that's true when you were saying um, that I'm really clear with She's the Boss. I've actually got a guy who is coaching me at the moment, and which I kind of was like, oh, and he's just going, come on, you're going to let me. And he said, but I really want to come into the She's the Boss group because I could really help a lot of those girls. And I said to him, I'm really sorry, but you can't. And he went, what do you mean? And I said, you're a bloke. There are plenty of other women out there that are coaching yeah. as well. And and he, he kind of was taken aback and then he just started laughing and he said, you know what I love? You are so clear on your mission. And I am. Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffect.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book, Every copy sold allows us to protect one square metre of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square metres by 2025. So we just paused and we're picking up again because women multitask without <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Absolutely right. And Jules had to um, 
deal with an emergency with her son and all is fine now. So yeah. we'll continue. So you were talking about Melissa Hamilton. Um, yes, but I can't remember what I was saying about <laughs> Melissa Hamilton now. I think I was just saying um, that as a boss, she was great. This guy said, you know, we need to we need to value women's sort of the, the characteristics of women and stop making it that male characteristics are positive and female characteristics are negative. And I thought that that was really insightful because if we started doing that really young in business, then we wouldn't have the problems that we have now with oh, women being put down all the time. Absolutely. And also, I mean, you talk about female characteristics and male characteristics, but it's not exclusive to gender, is it? It's, no, I mean, it's many masculine, guys. masculine and feminine, really, isn't it? Yes, yes. But yes, there are yes. enough, uh, as as much as there are many men who have got some wonderful feminine traits, we need to balance it out with women, with the gender of women as well, because, yes. you know, that's where we've, we've fallen down. So it's feminine. Well, I mean, it, you know, it keeps on occurring to me that if you have an organisation that is selling products or a service to men and women, at what stage does it make any sense at all to have a board that is dominated by men? Mm. It just, I mean, I actually had the conversation with my brother who owns a very big beer brand um, because I was talking at an event about women supporting women and he overheard me as I was putting together the talk. And he said, oh, we have women in our organisation in senior roles. And I went, let me guess, HR and marketing. And he went, yes, how did you guess? And I said, because they are always the ones. So what about your board? And he said, no, no, the board is just the investors. And I said, and are they male or female? And he said, they're men. And he said, and I said, well, why don't you have more women on? He said, well, because we, we only have investors. And I said, why don't you go and find a female investor then, <laughs> if that's your rule? Or why don't you change your rule and put some women? But I said, you've got women and men going to your bars your restaurants and, and buying your beer, why are you making decisions for them without including them? It just doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And look, we're seeing we're seeing change happen. You know, this idea of feminine skills need to be valued. I had another guest on the podcast, um, Nikki Sparshot, the yes. CEO of Unilever Australia. Yes, I'm dying to meet her. <laughs> and, and she talked about um, care, compassion and courage being the currency of business success. And, you know, that's so yeah, different right. to what it's been in the past, isn't it? So, and that's... It's hugely different. I think, though, she is a bit of an outlier. Um, and I believe also the CEOs of Roche and um, uh, Nestle are similar in that they are very much championing women and they oh. are going to make that change happen. Yeah. Because we need those women to be driving it at that level as well. But they all need to to know and and they all need to know each other so that they can support each other because I can only begin to imagine what the backlash would be like with those women yeah. in those roles. Like it would just be they've got to be so strong, so much stronger than I am. Anyway, I don't know whether. Oh, I think you're way stronger or... than you than you're suggesting. Well, yeah. you never know, but I mean, the idea of being surrounded by a whole lot of guys who are putting you down—that's uh, very hard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, look, I don't know about um, Nestle and Roche, but um, I think in the Unilever at least it's, you know, at least they are a business that are committed to creating change in the world, being a purposeful yes. organisation. Yes. So, um, you know, I think that's a, that's, that's a context there. Um, what do you think, with, with your She's the Boss community, you yeah. have a lot of um, female founders in there who yeah. are founders of 
purposeful organizations. Absolutely. What do you think are the key characteristics of yours is a purposeful organization, yes, it is. right? It is. What do you what do you think are the key characteristics of purposeful leaders? So leaders who are driven to create change. I think look there's been a whole lot of really interesting things that have come out of my interviews of say 200 women. Um, one of them, I think with purpose, it often comes with something that happens in your life that you want to make that change. I mean, if I go right back to that mumpreneur thing, it was, I mean, mumpreneur has changed now, but in those days it was people inventing products for mums yeah. and parents because they could see these massive gaps. And of course there hadn't been women really in that industry creating things. Um, now I think whether it's an illness or something that's happened to you or something that's happened to someone in your life or an article you've read, but something profound happens, I think. And from that, people then say, see that they could make a difference and they start going on a mission. So, I mean, and an, or, uh, an example, and it's a, kind of an awful one, but often when parents have a child that dies or a partner that dies, that will galvanate them into doing, so galvanise them into doing something to make a change so that doesn't happen to anyone else. Um, often with climate, I, I mean, the women in our group are doing climate. There's lots of domestic violence, um, people trying to help women, and almost all of those women have come out of that situation themselves. Um, there's people who have cancer who then go on into wellness areas and helping people avoid burnout. So it, I think often it is a life event or it is something that has been in you from childhood. So there's a lot of women that I interview and I talk to them about their childhood and they've had parents who are role models or an aunt or an uncle mm. or a brother or a sister or something that happened in their childhood that they became very passionate about making a change happen. Yeah. And, I mean, emotion. I'm wondering yeah. how much emotion totally driven drives by emotion. that. I think it's almost all driven by emotion. I think... These are the people who, and, and it's men and women that are purpose-driven, but these are the people when other people go, you're crazy, don't do this, this is mad, you won't make any money out of it, and they go, I don't care. It's got to be done, and I'm yeah. going to be the one to do it. And that emotion can be positive or it can be negative. It can be anger. Yes. Can't it? But, you know, the way well, I think a lot, of, a lot of the climate things are being driven by anger and furiousness, and certainly she's the boss, I guess, to an extent. Um, I'm just furious about the way that the, the current situation is and that it needs to change. And so rather than, I guess when I was younger, I would think somebody else might do it. And yeah. I've got older, there's something happened over 50 and I've just gone, no, I'm going to do it. Because yeah. if I don't do it, who else will? But with the, the idea that should there be other women who want to come on the journey, they can absolutely come and help me because I, I can't do this by myself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've talked a lot about love and emotion. Um, in your journey and in, in the She's the Boss community. Um, let's talk about money. How, yeah. how do you monetize? How are you monetizing? What you, money's important, right? Money is very important and you've got to be brave as a woman and go out and ask for it. I, I'm probably a shit person to be asking this <laughs> of because I'm not as good as I should be, although I'm getting better. Uh, how am I monetizing it? I'm looking for sponsors for my events and for my podcasts and my YouTube channel. Yeah. And that is only a new journey because stupid, this is a typical woman, you know, the fact that I haven't been making any money and I've done 250 different episodes is crazy. I mean, I don't think anyone else would keep going, but I can't stop. 
Um, I, I, um, I do business mentoring as well with women and I charge for that, but I'm not doing it as well as I should be. And I'm going to bring on women. There are some women who are very good at this kind of thing. Um, and I am going to bring them into my fold as soon as possible to help me in that particular space. But it's hard to ask for money when it's something that you really care about. I find it easier to ask for people to help me push out the content that I've got. Because oh. if I'm standing on a platform of making women more visible, then if they don't want to pay me money, at least they can put it out in their newsletters or they could let people know about it. Yeah. Um, but the monetizing, but, you know, there are lots of women in the group that are very, very good at it and making, uh, you know, huge amounts of money. What about crowdfunding? Um, crowdfunding, I think, is a fabulous solution for a lot of people. Um for I'm a big fan. Um, I'm a big um, supporter of Irene Zhang, who's just started LiftWomen.com, which is a crowdfunding platform for female founders. But it's very small cash, you know. It's very uh -huh. small. I mean, when I say very small, I mean it's five to thirty grand. Right. Whereas I'm looking for the two mil for myself. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do that through crowdfunding because I I will do a component maybe later, but I'm looking for four investors so that I can manage them <laughs> and work with them well, or that's sort of my idea. But I think crowdfunding has been very much um, taken up by a lot of women. I think that they see that as um, a good way to make money. And, of course, as women, we are very good at building networks in general. Yeah. So it's probably a logical extension that we would go into crowdfunding. Um, but I, I have, but again, other than the unicorns, I haven't heard of people making lots and lots of money. I think it's in the tens of thousands, uh, maybe a hundred thousand. I know I, I was partnering with virtual for a while who do equity crowdfunding and they yeah. do larger amounts, but they don't have a lot of women and they don't have a lot of service based businesses. Mm. So they said what works really well for us is products. Yes. Yeah. So, it, so okay. it's, the, the, the jury's out, really. There's, two, there's some wonderful women in Queensland who on the back of the SHEEO network have started um, a fund called She Backs Me, yeah. which I love. Um, there is Scale Investors and there's also the Boosting Female Founders Grant, which I have to say is just, uh, I think, you know, good on the government for doing it, but $18 million over three years mm. and it's a co-contribution. I don't think works very well for women because I think the problem is that we can't get the money in the first flipping place. So why dangle a million dollars and say you can have a million dollars if you can raise a million dollars when I can't raise a hundred thousand? Yeah, exactly. So right. I don't know that one works that well. The Ask Alice Fund is the new one that's out now again for female founders, but the investor applies for it for someone to match their investment. So I think there's still a lot of room to improve what's going on for women and females. There's a gap there as well, isn't there? Massive that? gap, yeah. And I think that the VCs are, I think that the 2% of VC funding going to women's stat. Um, How much? 2%. Did you, did you Have you not heard this stat? It is absolutely mind-blowing. Around the world, so it's not, so Australia it's 2%. Around the world it, it varies between 15 and 3%. <sighs> But women are not getting access to VC funding. Now, VC funding, as you know, traditionally starts at the sort of one to five mil and up. So we can't get access to big money that would make a big difference. We're all scrabbling around the 30,000 and 50,000 and 100 and 200. Whereas the guys, as I said earlier, coming out of an MBA and going, well, I really want to start a business now. I just need a million bucks 
and uh, and I'll be off and running. But they don't go, I'll do it on no money and see if I can call in a favour from my neighbour and my son and my whatever, which I do think women do. That's extraordinary. That stat is absolutely... <laughs> Have you not heard that before? It, no. It is what started me really becoming quite militant and... <laughs> Well, I don't know that I'm militant, but you know, it really, it it really made me um, sit back and think. So the stats that have really motivated me are two percent of female funding is going to women. Yep. Uh, women over fifty feature in less than four percent of media globally. Women in business are nearly forty percent, as we know, of business owners. And the other thing that's really interesting, even though everything is targeted at youth, is something like seventy percent of female founders have had are, are over 50 who've had a business of over of more than three years are over 50. Yeah wow. And then I just spoke with a woman this morning that said that the fastest growing entrepreneurial sector is people over 50 which yeah. I 100% would believe because yeah. of the ageism that's going on in the workforce. So I've always put it down to the fact that you know they were laid off for the pandemic yeah, And then, you know, you're a C-suite woman, you've been laid off, you try and get back into a role and, the, you know, the algorithms say no. Um, yeah. So you can't get into a role easily. And I saw a guy on LinkedIn that said, oh, watch this space, there's going to be so many unemployed women. And I was like, are you kidding? Wait for it, the wave of entrepreneurial women and men. But there is something about our age and the fact that the government wants us to work for another 20 or 30 years yeah. or people need to. And um, and if you can't get a job, then why not make yourself your boss? Absolutely. And I think the desire of women to change the world. Yeah. You know, to to really, and you know, men men want to do it as well. It's it's not excluding them, but but I think there is a deep, deep, deep desire, knowing what women can bring, and knowing that you know we need to. We and, need- and all yeah, and also because I think we have been left out of the party. Yes. You know, we haven't we haven't been invited in to yeah. help make the changes with all the blokes. And so, you know, we, we, we need to do it ourselves. And, and and the more we support each other and the more the more the world will benefit, I mean, men and women, you know, we will employ those guys, those guys. I keep talking to guys about working for women and I have got back multiple times from many, many guys that their favourite bosses are women. Yeah, yeah, right. They are lovely, you know, and they are going to care about you potentially more than, and not all of them, but you know, potentially more. And so, yeah, we need more women in roles. We need, we need more more women on boards. We need to make sure that everyone is paid equally for the work that they're doing. And we need to open up the opportunities for women. Fantastic. Jules, I absolutely love what you're doing. <laughs> um, you. And I know our listeners are, are going to um, love it too. Um, as we wrap up, I'd love you to share your advice to business leaders, women um, or men, um, but primarily women who are on their purpose journey, um, you know, what's the best advice that you can give them as they start to scale um, okay, to huge I've challenges? Couple, I've got a couple of them. One is uh, one is to lift up the women around them. So don't do the journey on your own. Find some other women to come with you on the journey. My favourite expression is to be that person that will mention someone else's name in a room full of opportunity. I yeah. absolutely love that saying. Um, and I lead, most of the time if I do a talk, I ask people to go out of their way to help a woman. So not just do whatever's in front of you. Think of someone that you think you could help. And if it means you've got to make a bit of effort, so be it. 
but go out of your way to help a woman in business. And then I say to do it this week and next week and the week after and keep doing it. And if we all do it, we'll all get there much faster. I love that advice. Thank you so much for coming on this show, sharing your journey, sharing your insights, sharing your passion. Um, if people want to know more about She's the Boss and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? Um, two ways. One is she's the boss group.com and we've got all our events on there and our membership is 49 bucks a month. Very worth it. Um, and also, like I said, I'm all over LinkedIn. So if you want to send me a message in LinkedIn, I will promise I will get back to you. So, um, And I'm desperately looking for sponsors and um, brands that might want to align with older, successful women. So I'll just put it out there because you never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. And we'll share we'll share links in the show notes. And if anyone is, um, you know, listening in who has a brand, um, that supports women, uh, check it out and get in touch with, with Jules. Huge opportunities. Thank, Thank you, Jules. You. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?